This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Bick. Today's shiur is the uh, second installment, the second chapter in the series on Avat Hashem and Yirat Hashem, being given in Elul, preceding Rosh Hashanah of Tavshin Ayin Aleph. Last week, we introduced the topic of Avat Hashem, and I attempted to define and to demonstrate the necessity of viewing Avat Hashem as being a personal love of God, as reflected specifically in mutuality, in the fact that Chazal placed the mitzvah of Avat Hashem as a as as discussed and mandated in Kriyat Shema, in the context of the bracha that precedes it, which is a bracha which defines and explains that God loves us Ava, excessively. Ava Rabba Aftanu Hashem Elokeinu. And that I claimed was the mark of a personal love as opposed to, you could call it impersonal, an object-oriented love, which is also appropriate and required and, 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 and basic relationship to God. Uh, but Chazal here, we're trying to stress that there is this element of mutuality. God loves us and therefore we love Him. I'd like to, before we continue in trying to understand what the content, the specific content, uh, is mandated by the personal element of the love of God, I'd like just to reflect the, the point itself in a um, tefillah, which is connected to Rosh Hashanah, and therefore is, is especially relevant. In tefillah Rosh Hashanah, in Musaf Rosh Hashanah, when we uh, introduce the section called Zichronot, how God remembers and pays attention and also judges uh, each and every individual. So there's an introduction here, Tazokher Maser Olam, and then there'll be the ten Pesukim, which every section in Shemoneser, the three sections of Rosh Hashanah Shemesrei consists of ten psukim reflecting Malchiot, reflecting Zichronot, reflecting Shofarot. So the first pasuk of Zichronot is introduced with the words, Vegamet Noach ba'ava zacharta. And Noach as well, you remembered with love. Vatifkidei, when you saved him, when you brought the flood on all of humanity. And then it runs into the pasuk, Kakatub, Torah and Vayiskolo Kimet Noach. What does it mean, Vagamet Noach Ba'ahava Zacharta? What does it mean that Noach was remembered Ba'ahava with love? What's the difference between remembering and remembering with love? The Rav Zatzal explained that Noach was saved for two separate reasons. One is that God really did not wish to destroy everything, God was not recreating the world from scratch the world would persevere and therefore it's necessary that some human beings be saved just as exactly in the same manner that a at least one couple or seven couples of every living organism was saved on the ark there were two lions and two kangaroos and two dogs and two sheep so therefore there there had to be two at least two humans 
Because God is not going to do a new act of Maaseb Bereshit, a new act of creation afterwards. And if... Now, when God decided to save two tigers, we don't ask ourselves, and there very well, well not, may not be an answer as to which two tigers he saved. It's irrelevant. It could be you saved two healthy ones, two that are capable of reproducing. But the main thing is that simply two were saved. In fact, Noah chose them as far as we know, not God. Now, when he decides to save two or more people, it could be that there are certain reasons as to who to choose. It might even make sense that he should choose the most righteous. But still, the basic reason why they're being saved is because they represent the future of humanity. But, we're saying in the Tefillah, and the Pesukim in the end of Parshat Bereshit, in the beginning of Parshat Noach, indicate that there was another reason why Noach was saved. Noach was saved because God had a commitment to the individual named Noach. As the last Pasuk in Pashat Bereshit says, Noach Matzachen Be'enei Hashem. An interesting phrase. Because it almost seems to say the reason is unimportant. Noach Matzachen Be'enei Hashem. Noach found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Let's say why. I'm not saying it's irrational. There's not a picture here of, you know, somebody walking the street and falling madly in love with a woman he doesn't know. That, that, that's not what happened. God saw Noah and decided to love him. Now, we know the reasons. The reason, in fact, explained in the next Pasuk. At the beginning of Pashat Noah. Noah is tzaddik. Tamim haya bedorotav. Et elokim. Noah. There are good reasons for it. But we're not describing God paying Noah back for him doing mitzvot. But rather that Noach found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that's the gamet Noach be'ahava zacharta. Noach was chosen. Noach was saved not as an instrument for um, cosmic policy, for, the, for, the, for God's design for the human race. Well, he wasn't chosen only for that reason. He was chosen because there was a personal, individual relationship between Noah and God. And therefore, when destruction swept over the world, God put out his hand and saved Noah from the tempest, from the storm. And that's an example of what I was trying to describe last week that Ava means a commitment to a person based on the personal relationship that you have with that person. Okay, but now the question is, idea, nice idea. What does it mean? Like what, what's, the, what's the specific content which is special, which is indicative, which is reflective 
of the fact that I say that the love of God is a personal relationship, is a personal love. How does that change? Or what does that add to understanding of the bits of, of Avat Hashem? What's the difference, in other words, between a personal love and an institutional love? Now, I want to point out that I'm not claiming that we don't have or should not have a love of God that is what I call an institutional love. There are many places in Tanakh. Sefer Tilim is full of expressions of a love of God which is not reflective of the personal element I'm talking about. For instance, the Vida Melech says in Tilim Membet, Ka'ayal ta'arog ala fike ma'im kein ta'arog like the yearning of the deer for the pools of water, so my soul yearns for you, God. The love that deer has for a pool of water, the eagerness with which it jumps to reach the pool of water is not a personal love for water. Specifically, the point I made last week, it's not mutual. The deer loves the water. The water does not in any particular manner love the deer. And there are many other sukkah like that in, uh, in Tidim. Tzamalachanafshi, kamalachabasari, my soul yearns for you. My, 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 my flesh yearns for you, my soul is, is hungry for you, is thirsty for you. Sefer Chobat about the book of Rabbeinu Bachya, the masterpiece of Rabbeinu Bachya, ends with the Sha'ar Ha'ava. It's the, it's the pinnacle of the book. And defines Avat Hashem differently than I define it. But quite correctly, because it's, it's definitely part of the definition. Avat Hashem is Klot HaNeshama El, El, El Mikora. He says the soul of a human being is a spiritual entity living in a physical universe. And it's like a stranger in a strange land. And therefore, it, it, it thirsts, it yearns to return to its, to its natural habitat, to its source, to the place it came from, which is the divine, which is God. Again, that's one-sided. You can't, re- you can't turn it on its head. That's not a reason for God to love man. That's the reason why man loves God, because God is the man's source. What is the difference between the love of God as reflected in the Pasuk Ka'ayal Ta'aroga Lafike Mayim or as reflected in the penultimate chapter of the book Chobat Al-Vavot and a personal love? And I think the answer is very simple and very extreme, very clear cut. Ka'ayal Ta'aroga Lafike Mayim is a love that is directed towards receiving. The deer loves the water because it needs the water and wishes to drink the water and the water will assuage, the water will fulfill a need of the deer. And Rebbe Rebach is really, clearly saying that the soul without God is suffering. And, 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 and should feel, and is tormented and should feel tormented. And it turns to God to assuage the torment. 
to fulfill a need. It's a love to receive. It's the love that we have for oxygen, if we would pay attention. The love that you have for food when you're hungry. The love that you have for water when you're thirsty. I'm, I'm in a desolate, deserted land. And God for me is everything that I'm missing, everything that's pleasant. A personal love is the exact opposite. It's a love directed towards giving, not to receiving. You could call it to give. You can call it in a word we probably don't use anymore. But in the Middle Ages when they talked about personal love, it would be used all the time. It's to serve. The lover served his beloved. Or, if you wish to uh, emphasize the practical consequence, it's to fulfill his will. But the main point is that personal love is 100%, totally directed to only to giving. Any element of receiving, if it's introduced into the basic motivation of a personal love, becomes exploitation and ruins the love. As an aside, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but after all, you know, psychologists have quite correctly identified this as one of the problems of personal love. Not talking about God now. Personal into human love in our generation. When your relationship with a loved person, with one's mate, begins to take on the aspect of fulfilling my needs, including the, the, the highest, most uh, um, most pure form. In other words, I have a need to love, not I have a need to, to, be, to have the dishes washed or to have this or that other need fulfilled. No, I, I, I have a need to love. But I get something out of this. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's what very often corrupts and destroys relationships. And this is a commonplace in, in psychological counseling. Marital psychological counseling. Interpersonal love has to be, its pure form has to be to give. To serve. It's for the other. A commitment to somebody else. Meaning not a commitment to yourself. Psychologically, obviously, it's very difficult to separate the two. But love per se means I'm committed to someone else's benefit, to someone else's welfare, for someone else's sake. I do what I do for the sake of my beloved. And my point is that Avat Hashem, the personal Avat Hashem, is the same thing. It's Latet Lakadosh Baruch to serve God. Now I know that in philosophy, in medieval philosophy, there will be a big discussion, disagreement as to whether that's even possible. Can you give something to God? Philosophers will say no. The Kabbalah will say yes. But it's irrelevant to my point. Because whether philosophically it's 
actually possible to give God something, doesn't change the fact that the love of God is the desire to give God something. And if it's impossible to give God something, which is what the classic philosophers would say, then the love of God is expressed only in doing His will. Why that's His will is irrelevant. He doesn't really need me to do mitzvot, but He says He does. Or He says He wants me to do it. And since I am lema'ano, I am for Him, for His name, for His sake, then the practical expression the minimum practical expression of the love of God is to fulfill His will. And this, of course, is what we find in the tefillah that we've been concentrating on. The mitzvah of Hashem is the first parasha of Shema, v'ahavta Hashem elokecha b'chol v'chol 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 And that's followed by v'ayah im shamoa tishmu. The next parasha is kabbalat mitzvot. Avat Hashem leads to the acceptance of the mitzvah, because that's the expression, because to love God isn't to bask in His love, isn't to think about Him, it's not an emotion, no, it's not just an emotion, but it's primarily commitment to give Him, to do for Him, to do for His sake, to do in His name, to serve Him, which is mitzvah. We have an expression called Oved Meyava, and we're so used to it, they don't pay attention to the fact that it makes no sense in modern terms. La'avod, to serve, Needs to be a slave. We don't associate slaves and love together. And if we do, we think it's some sort of a psychological aberration. That a slave should love his master. But Yiddishkeit is based on ha'oved me'ava. Serving God out of love. Because, and, and, and it's gotten a little bit lost in modern times, but it's still deeply humanly true that to love a person is expressed as a desire to serve them. To serve them doesn't mean necessarily to polish their shoes, but it means to dedicate yourself for their, to their sake, to making them happier, feel better, be better, or just to do what they want to do, to, to, to serve their will, if one cannot serve them in any other way. If we look at Rosh Hashanah, now, Rosh Hashanah is first of all defined as the day of creation. There is in fact a machloket in the Gemara whether that's true or not, but the tefilot of Rosh Hashanah affirm over and over again, Zahayom Tchilat Masech, Hayom Harat Olam, this is the day of the creation of the world. Now I said last week that the creation of the world is an impersonal love. God gave everybody the same thing. Okay, but that's the first and foremost what we get from God, is that we get existence. And on that day, everybody begins to become personal. We are chosen the Jews are chosen to respond to the creation of the world by doing what? We crown God. We give God a crown. We really give God a crown. That's what it says in the Tefillah. Yom HaMachut, to say Hashem Melech is the last line of the Piyut that appears before Malchiot. V'yitnu lecha keter They will give you the crown of of, 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 of of kingship. The crown of majesty. On Rosh Hashanah, we give God something. Again, philosophically, you might claim that we don't really give Him something. I think we do. I think most uh, un- people understand Judaism understand that you really can crown God. Personally, I think it's essential to Yiddishkeit that the Jewish people actually crown God and make God king. 
In the words of the Rishonim, Ki ein melech below am. You can't be a king if you aren't a people who accept you. But even if for some philosophic reason you think that God can't actually change, and He's no more king before Rosh Hashanah than after Rosh Hashanah, but we still do the action of crowning Him. And that action is giving God back what is His, because He created the world and therefore He's king, and we respond by not merely saying yes, not merely affirming the obvious, but in joining it, in giving it, in committing ourselves to giving that back to God, to putting the Ketamulcha on his head. This is reflected in a very, very strong manner in the Tefillot of Rosh Hashanah, in the comparison between two different forms of Malchut. Because there are two Malchuyot in Rosh Hashanah. The first Malchut is found in the Vachad we call Kedushat Hashem. What usually ends Hakela Kadosh and on Rosh Hashanah ends HaMelech HaKadosh. And there there's a whole long insertion. Tefillah that begins with the words of Vachain Tein Pachtacha Shem Elokeinu HaKol Maasecha Beimatcha HaKol Mashbarata Beirucha Kol HaMasim Ishtachbud Recha Kol HaBruyim Betimloch Ata Hashem Levadacha HaKol Maasecha God is king. And why? So we pray, God, instill your fear, your terror on all of your creations. There's a crucial line there in the middle that when that takes place, the righteous will rejoice. And all the evil will simply evaporate in smoke. That's kingship. That's Malchutosh of Hashem. But it's not Malchut Meyava, it's Malchut Miyirah, explicitly. It's the kingship of fear, of awe, of fear and terror. If God would only appear in a more manifest manner, then all opposition to His rule would simply evaporate. It couldn't stand up to God's majesty. That's God crowning Himself, taking the actions to make His kingship a hundred percent evident. But he takes the actions himself and it's called Uvachain Tain Pachtecha. Place your fear on everything you have created. But that's not the only Machiot in Rosh Hashanah. The real Machiot, the Machiot that's called Machiot comes later. In the Bracha we call Gdushat Hayom. The Bracha which has Ba'ava Natatalano with Yom Azikaron Yom Trua Mikra Kodesh. And then we say the Psukim and the introduction of Malchut. How does it begin, the introduction? We wait for the day. We, we hope for the day. We yearn for the day when all people will turn to God, not be overwhelmed by God. And this bracha, this section of Bacha is embedded in a larger Bacha called Tushatayon, which begins with the words, You have chosen us. Choosing is what I defined as being God's personal relationship with us. And now we're going to say Malchiot again. We will crown God we will give to God, not not forced to yield to God 
that which we can no longer resist yielding up, but we will stand on our feet and he who has chosen us, we choose him. The relationship, which is actually every day, but it's derived from the Tefillah of Rosh Hashanah. You say, Aleinu, and then Alkeinah Kaveh. That's the beginning of Malchiyot. Aleinu is what God chooses the Jews, very much. Aleinu l'shabech, Adon HaKol. Shalo asanu For He has not made us like the peoples of the earth. Velo samanu k'mishpachot adama. He has not placed us like the families of the lands. For our destiny is not their destiny. Why? Because they worship nothingness and bow to a God who cannot redeem. But we have been privileged to serve God, the true God. And then what do we say? Al Cain, therefore. It's a word, I think we skipped that word. Al Cain, therefore. Because God has made us special by choosing us to serve Him. That's why Nikaveh. Not just that's why we will serve Him. But that's why we yearn for the day when everyone will serve Him. I think you have here the highest expression of not only serving, but serving with love. Because serving with love doesn't mean I have to do what I have to do. That you can do from fear. But the desire that all, everyone else should serve God. That everyone should accept God. That's an expression of, of love. Of Kreskas, the medieval Jewish philosopher of love, says that one of the manifestations of the love of God is kosef nichsaf, a, 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 an extreme yearning to call all to enter under the wings of the Divine Presence. To love God means that you, you can't sleep at night knowing that there are places on earth where God's love and God's majesty are being blocked, are not being reflected. Therefore, God, we, we hope, we yearn, we wait. To see as soon as possible. Why? Because only then, only when all turn to God, will God's name be one and, and His kingship, His, his, his crown, His uh, throne be one and, 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 and complete. Rosh Hashanah, despite, I use the word despite only so I can take it back in a second, despite its cosmic significance, the whole world is being judged. medinot and on the nations it will be said, which one will be at war, which one will be at peace. But at the same time, and maybe the but and the despite is not the right word, that flows into every single individual passing before God, one by one, Kivnei Maron, the picture in Chazal, the way sheep are passed through the parak, not en masse, but one by one, 
Kivnei Maron, so that God can see and look at each one, even the judging of God, something which inspires us with fear, but it's an expression of love. It's not a mass verdict. God takes the individual, weighs him, speaks to him, waits for him. And therefore, we pass through the Vachintein Pachtacha, very important background to understand what it is before whom we are standing. But we pass through that in order to come to Alkein Nekaveh Lecha Hashem Alkeinu Lerot Mehira Betiferet Uzecha Laavir Gilu Limen Haaretz Veilim Karot Shikariton Litzakein Olam Bemarchut Shakai To correct, to fix the entire world according to the Kingdom of God. And we end that section by saying, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. A response to the fact that God is King is to want to give Him that which we can give Him. Our ascent to His kingship, our coronation, not merely our ascent, but we coronate God, each and every one of us as an individual, and all of us as Am Yisrael. We place the crown on His head because His love is requited in our love. And therefore Rosh Hashanah is Yom Ava because it's Yom Netina. V'yitnu Lecha Keta Melucha.